everybody welcome back craig shop here with bob garber our new york city film critic bob is here we've had a little bit of time off with holidays schedules and issues things like that but we are back with some uh, updated uh, movie reviews from bob and then also of course we will talk a little bit of oscars bob uh, january is a strange month for movies i've always thought this you get a lot of uh, just kind of tacked on horror movies just to start the year your best bet maybe is hoping to score some uh, tickets to Oscar movies that are uh, maybe getting wider releases. This has yeah. been an interesting month. Uh, we are going to start with uh, a horror movie, Night Swim. Tell us uh, a little bit about Night Swim and what your thoughts are on the movie. Well, this um, basically there are three uh, big releases in January, and uh, this show will be about the uh, the two that are worth seeing and also Night Swim uh, <laughs> because this is – this is exactly the kind of movie that gets buried in January. Um, yeah. You know, I guess some studio had some leftover horror movie and uh, they, they saw an open weekend and were like, let's put something in here. Even if it's not something we feel very strongly about. Yeah. Um, and, and night swim is certainly a movie that is not worth feeling strongly about. Um, except to say that I dislike it. Uh, it's about a uh, haunted swimming pool. Um, I heard uh, another uh, critic uh, describe it as a swimming pool that eats people. Mm -hmm. um, I refuse to, to regard it as that because that would actually be fun. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's, a, it's a haunted swimming pool um, that uh, needs to claim souls uh, for some reason that is never defined. <clears throat> um, you know, very murky world building. Mm -hmm. um, not terribly relatable characters. Um, even though the the uh, mom in the in the family that's being haunted is played by uh, Carrie Condon from the Banshees of Inisherin. Mm. But uh, yeah, just just murky rules, um, entirely reliant on uh, very poor jump scares. Yeah. Um, just, just a very January type of horror movie. Okay. Yeah, probably something we don't need to spend too much time on. So what's your final grade here for D. Night Swim? D, okay. yeah. And, and this is the same uh, slot, um, you know, sort of that right at the beginning of the year slot where uh, where Megan did so well last year. Yeah, yeah. And it did, um, it ended up being one of my favorite movies of the year. Although I went back and watched a few scenes from that one. It, it It's already aging poorly. Yeah. Um, is is Megan, but uh, but Night Swim, you know, isn't isn't fun even at the outset. Okay, all right. Well, um, you know, there was some promising tease from you here at the beginning, saying that uh, there are three movies that you are looking at this week, and uh, two of them are good, and then the other one was uh, Night Swim. So we're gonna jump gears, and uh, Mean Girls is back in theaters. Not the original Mean Girls with Lindsay Lohan, but this time they've. Uh, I think they're keeping it in the same universe, correct? But they're uh, just kind of giving uh, the, the the franchise a fresh coat of paint. Maybe is that a good way of saying it? I don't believe it's the same universe because okay. um, if it, if it was the same universe, then when Tina Fey and Tim Meadows um, repeat scenes word for word uh, from the okay. two thousand and four film, they would they would get a sense of deja vu. Okay, but they're not getting that, so I think it's just a just a remake. 
Okay, so a remake of Mean Girls. Um, but it's a musical, and it has musical, musical numbers, and those musical numbers are fun. Yeah, tell us a little bit about this. I mean, what is it? I mean, it, it, in the category of is it necessary, it probably is irrelevant at this point with the way Hollywood's uh, studio systems are working here with sequels, prequels, remakes, things like that. But uh, yeah, you know, it, it seems like they go in a different direction, at least with it, with a musical, and, and it sounds like it works. What What works about it so well? I'm sorry. What well, uh, what works uh, so well about this movie that uh, maybe updating it and just the, the energy, era, just the yeah. just the tremendous bouncy, um, and now they're mm -hmm. adding musical numbers to it. Energy, um, which the, the musical numbers aren't aren't terribly memorable, but they they do add um, to what is otherwise I think a pretty unnecessary remake. Uh, because I mean there are there are scenes where you can quote dialogue word for word from the original mm -hmm. and you know because it's only 20 years old it's still kind of fresh in in my yeah. head just because it was such a memorable screenplay to begin with right does um, it does it seem like it um because sometimes when you're talking about remakes or movies like this where they're they're kind of pulling from the original at the very least um, sometimes that can be seen as sort of a crutch where you're not really original. You're just kind of, as you said, you know, Tina Fey, Tim Meadows pulling dialogue from the original from 20 plus years ago. Um, is that a crutch? Is it, is it fine with you that they, they don't really go out on a, a new limb and make it more original? They just kind of retread some of the dialogue or retread some of the scenes or, you know, how, how do you kind of look at that? It's a, it's a little it's a little bit of a crutch, which is why I don't give this movie too high of a rating. I give it a C. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, the younger the younger performers are uh, are really throwing their backs into it. <clears throat> OK, well, that's good. Um, so a, a, a recommendation then overall for for people that maybe are Mean Girl fans, they'll probably enjoy or will they get a new audience from this? Do you think? I mean, it's 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 I think the best movie to. Um, to be to come out in January. Um, <laughs> not that there aren't better options from the uh, some of the movies that we'll be discussing later. Sure. Um, that uh, you know opened in in December. Right. But of of the movies that flat out came out in January, this is probably the best one. Okay. Well, in uh, switching gears yet again, uh, we have the quiet and calm beekeeping movie starring Jason Statham, where he just sits and and tens after bees for an hour and a half right bob is that uh the jason statham has changed his action ways you know i'm i'm sure uh jason statham's character uh wishes that you know people would have would have left him and uh his uh kind of mentor felicia rashad's character alone so he could mm -hmm. just tend to his bees and yeah just enjoy his little farm life but it's it's not to be uh yeah, oh no yeah, the bad guys bad guys have to mess with her and you know he has to learn bob when he has to go learn i don't know you know stay away people, from jason statham when people stop being greedy i suppose but I they, suppose, they yeah. mess with her and uh and he has to go after them and this is another one of those movies where you know bad guys just had to go messing with the guy who's the deadliest killer in the world that thought he was out and now he's now he's back in they pulled him back in so obviously when you're when you're thinking about movies like this especially you know in the january dump season um you know i, I guess you're you're hoping maybe the action sequences are entertaining 
do we at least get that here or is this just another thrown together um action movie that just did not get a lot of love from the studio and that's why it's a january release it's it's pretty thrown together i mean this could be any any number of these types of movies you know 10 years ago liam neeson did a ton of these movies yeah um now it seems statham as he's aging is is kind of filling into this role but uh is there any is there any bee kidnapping I, i know a lot of these action movies are set around kidnapping of pets and animals do they kidnap the bees bob are the bees okay Technically, they do the opposite of kidnapping because I think he, um, I think one of the bad guys uh, messes with the, the habitat of the bees and sets them free. Oh, okay. That uh, that that uh, Statham was keeping. So I guess technically it's the opposite of a kidnapping. Okay. Well, and this is uh, you know when you look at the the specs on this film, David Ayer directs. Uh, David Ayer has. Obviously, everybody's always been uh, hot and bothered about the Suicide Squad movie that he made that was rather unsuccessful and, and not very good. And a lot of people want to release the air cut. Um, sort of seems like he's fallen off a cliff a little bit here from his uh, days of making Fury with Brad Ro- uh, with Brad Pitt. End of Watch was a solid film. Oh, I so love seems, End of Watch. Seems like he's kind of uh, fallen off a little bit here with Suicide yeah. Squad and you know, The Beekeeper. Yeah, and this is a, this is a pretty pretty drecky type movie okay. um, but it's it's you know jason statham is his um charming self and and yeah. there's a few action sequences if it, this is i wrote in my print review um this is the kind of movie where the most fun thing you can do is speculate if the bad guys are going to get shot or blown up okay <laughs> yes very deep stuff then. I do like Jason Statham. I, I mean, I, for as much depth uh, yeah. as I give him, I, I actually like, overall, I like Jason Statham. I think he's, you know, when he's given the opportunity, he can actually, you know, put together solid performances. But, um, yeah, it just seems like it's few and far between, unfortunately, for him. And, you know, look, he's made a nice living in Hollywood as this action star. But, you know, I, I sort of remember him from the bank job in 2008, I really enjoyed that movie. I thought it was oh, a lot was of fun. Movie. A lot of fun with him, and uh, it gave him a chance to kind of flex a little bit of acting chops as well and, you know, still sort of do his, you know, steely-eyed Jason Statham, you know, peering into the camera like he's about ready to kill everybody in the world, which usually he ends up doing in his movies. So um, I do like Jason Statham overall. So uh, final grade here for The Beekeeper. See. All right. I know, it, I know it probably wants me to give it the next letter grade up, I can't can't give it that. I'll give it a C. All right. Think of think of the possibilities of the print review headline there, Bob. If you would have given it a B for the yeah. beekeeper, yes. Well, uh, moving focus to some better times in the movie world. The Academy Awards were uh, nominations were announced on Tuesday. Um, a whole host of movies did very well uh, with Oppenheimer scoring thirteen nominations. The uh, Poor Things uh, scored 11, Killers of the Flower Moon with 10, Barbie 8. Uh, so there's quite a few mo- movies that cleaned up. Uh, what were your overall impressions? Were there snubs, surprises, uh, anything that kind of stood out to you? Well, I think the snub that uh, stands out to everybody, and I'm sure will stand out to you because I know you love this movie, was uh, No Margot Robbie for Barbie. Mm, yeah. Which... Um, you know, as the as the title character of the biggest movie of the year, I feel like 
she kind of has an obligation to to represent the movie at the academy awards but it's not to be yeah um but uh but ryan gosling got nominated for playing ken and uh, even america ferrara got nominated or ferrara got nominated uh for her supporting role yeah and that was a pleasant surprise. I actually, um, you know, as much as I, and you know that I, I have a, a nice affinity for Barbie, and I had no issues with, with Margot Robbie's performance. It was really, after seeing the movie when it first came out, I, I thought at the time Margot Robbie looked like she was slotted in. But that was just at the time. That was before the fall release schedule where we'd get more opportunities to see other great performances and I was not surprised that she didn't get nominated because I felt like as as good as I thought she was, and, and, and it was nothing that she did or did not do that is why I don't think she got this nomination. It was more about what other people did. Like you said, Ryan Gosling, America Ferreira, I thought they both kind of overshadowed her in a, little, in a, in a way. And um, I also think the overall production of Barbie – the beautiful sets and the screenplay and the satire and everything kind of working together kind of overshadowed Margot Robbie a little bit. And it was nothing that she did or didn't do. It just, that's kind of how it happened. So I was not surprised that she didn't get nominated. And I also think that, you know, once Lily Gladstone went from a supporting character in uh, Killers of the Flower Moon and then wanted to go after lead actress, I think that probably squeezed a person like Margot Robbie out of best actress. So it was, it was going to make it a little bit more challenging because I think we all knew Emma Stone would probably secure a nomination for poor things because it was well-received and the Academy loves her. And I think that once Lily Gladstone shifted over, I kind of thought that that was the death knell for her as a whole for Margot Robbie. Yeah. But if, if the, Press is to be, um, if you know, if, if the buzz is to be believed, um, Lily Gladstone moving to Best Actress is is the death knell for all the other contenders in uh, in Best Actress. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I I see what you're saying there, and I and I'm kind of on the fence right now with who I think will win. But I wouldn't look past Emma Stone, and I can. I can kind of see, and Martin Scorsese's had a strange run lately with his movies where I think he's had two in a row that have scored double-digit nominations that have not won anything um, or maybe less than two or three. And I think Killers of the Flower Moon kind of looks like it could be one of those movies that gets squeezed out of most categories. Maybe Gladstone wins, but you know, I, I think it's probably a second or third place in a lot of the other categories. Um, but Gladstone certainly has a at least a 50-50 shot, but I wouldn't put Emma Stone off of that list just yet because I think the Academy usually loves her. I think her performance is in, in a movie like Poor Things is just so outrageous and outlandish, and it's very you know unforgettable in a lot of ways, maybe for some of the wrong reasons for some viewers, but I think some people are going to be like, she went for it, and, you know, it's a different type of performance than what Gladstone, you know, produces. And I think we'll see how voters kind of, you know, gravitate. And I, and I wouldn't be shocked if, if either of them win, but I think those are the probably two front runners for that award. Right. Right. Any other things stand out? I know, I know you were a big fan of the color purple. We, we saw, we, we, we had your review uh, 
I was, uh, recently, I was, and I know you enjoyed it very much. Fantasia, Fantasia Barino did not get uh, an actress or a supporting actress or any nomination. The film overall did not score very well. I think it had, what, one nomination or maybe a couple of nominations? Uh, I know that was one of your favorites of last year. Yeah, I was disappointed that it didn't get more nominations. Uh, I know Danielle Brooks uh, mm -hmm. got, uh, got got a supporting actress nomination, so that was nice. Right. Um, but yeah, I think Fantasia should have been in there. I think she should be contending for for best actress along with uh, Gladstone and Stone. Yeah. Any other uh, things that stood out? I mean, no Leo DiCaprio in uh, best actor was that a surprise to you? Uh, given it was a, it was a good year for acting, obviously, and it's always a, it's always competitive when there's only five slots. But no DiCaprio. Were you surprised by that? Given all the love that Killers got. I mean, mildly, but you know, it's Leonardo DiCaprio. He'll he'll be fine. Yes, um, I'm sure like he'll this, be. Okay. It's not like this is going to derail his career. If this was supposed to be like, like right. a big breakthrough for him, um, that uh, that doesn't apply. Um, was there any and, nomination that you were happy about, or that you were uh, pleasantly surprised? Any anything that stood out maybe to you that you were like, oh, I'm glad that that thing got nominated for that award. Um, not really. I wasn't, I, I was, I wasn't, you know, pleasantly surprised by, by any, uh, successes, just, just, a, just disappointed in omissions. Um, and of course, uh, you know, this, uh, sets the tone for some movies that I need to see over the next couple of weeks. Um, I need to finally get around to seeing American fiction. I finally need to get around to seeing, uh, zone of interest, anatomy of a fall, mm -hmm. um, maestro on netflix which i can you know watch at any time i guess yeah uh, I, need you know, to, me, I need to get yeah. to those over the next few weeks yeah. you know obviously it's still early in the process but uh does this you know does best picture look like a two-horse race with oppenheimer and killers now that uh greta gerwig did not make it into best director it's kind of hard to win best picture if you're not in best director and also best actress with Vargo robbie uh, do you feel like it's a two-horse race? Do you have a, a thought on Best Picture so far? Well, they did that. Uh, Coda won uh, mm -hmm. Best Picture without director. Green Book uh, and uh, Argo uh, all won Best Picture without a director nomination. So it's okay. it's been done a handful of times in recent memory. Uh, having said that, I, I do see, uh, you know, the one-two punch of, of Nolan and Oppenheimer or Scorsese and uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. Um taking this and trying to remember uh, who else was nominated for best director um zone of interest i haven't seen yeah okay and um, um well, maybe 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 an outside chance for things and that uh yorgos latimos but uh now i now that you mention it i think i think killers of the flower moon versus oppenheimer seems to be the seem to be the two front runners. Well, and it certainly seems like uh, maybe this is the year for Christopher Nolan. Obviously, he's sort of, uh, you know, he's, he's always been an, a, a, a very dynamic and very, um, you know, passionate filmmaker. He really sinks his, uh, his life into these, these worlds that he creates and Oppenheimer, no different. Uh, do you think that this is the year that Nolan probably squeezes out that Oscar, that Oscar victory? Yeah, yeah, he's he's due, and um, you know Scorsese, of course, having won before for The Departed, of course, his career, yeah. um, you know, is is 
arguably too Oscar worthy. Um, but yeah, Nolan seems to um, do a lot of summer movies that the Academy kind of forget about uh, when it's time to, to give out the awards uh, in the uh, following spring. Mm-hmm. But I think in this, in this case, uh, they, uh, they're likely to, to finally give it to him for Oppenheimer. Well, and it's definitely hard to overlook uh, 13 nominations, the most, uh, and it's probably going to be a favorite in many of those categories. Uh, so definitely it looks like it could be Christopher Nolan's time. And, and I think that uh, I, I, my personal opinion is I think it's, it's warranted this time around. This is not a, we're going to give him an Oscar because he hasn't won one yet because, you know, I mean, it's not like a Scorsese effect with the departed, which, you know, Scorsese had been nominated multiple times over and just, you know, maybe got overlooked, unfortunately, for whatever reason or another. But uh, definitely feels like this is not just the right time, but the right movie to, to, to really honor Christopher Nolan with an Oscar, given his, you know, standing now in the film community with making summer blockbusters with brains and uh, just making, you know, just totally original films that he makes his own and kind of makes you think that not a lot of other directors could maybe tackle projects the same way. So uh, definitely an interesting uh, debate that will rage here for the next month or so. The Oscars are uh, March 10th, so uh, be on the lookout for that. We'll have some some shows uh, lined up in advance of that for maybe some predictions. So yep. as always, Bob, appreciate your time. What do you have coming up here in the, in the near future? Um, it looks like my print review um, for next week. I'm going to have to go back and see uh, anyone but you um, mm-hmm. from December uh, for, for the tail end of January. And then after that, uh, Argyle, uh, which yeah. which looks like a lot of fun. That's probably what we'll what we'll base our next uh, show around. Okay. And then, um, in the meantime, I'll try to get to some of these Oscars movies. All right, fantastic. Well, we'll uh, we'll see see you next time. Enjoy yourself at the movies, and uh, always uh, can't wait to talk again about more movies as we head into the Oscar season. It's here, Bob. Even though Oscar caliber movies aren't being released right now, we still can talk Oscars, and that's always a great thing in the movie world as always bob i appreciate your time stopping by and talking movies have fun go watch some good movies for us please thank you and uh thank you for having me and this is the highlight of my week